0: Of course, I saw the $185,000 of profit. And I was like, Oh my God, I don't even make that in a year as an engineer. And this guy's do this in a day. And that's what stood out to me. And that was a great lesson was Mike shared his wins. And then I saw that. And then I had that in the back of my mind. Welcome to School of Success, the podcast that will help you reach your goals and become the success story you've always dreamed of. Join us on our journey, as we explore the strategies, tools, and tactics needed to build health, wealth, and personal development. Together, we'll uncover the secrets to living life to its fullest with host Brandon Hicks. So let's get started and make your dreams come true. Welcome back to another episode of School of Success. I've got my good friend Mike here, who actually worked with me on my first self-storage wholesale deal. We're here in Sarasota. thought it'd be great idea to record an episode. We just had the mini series on how I found that self-storage deal off market, my first LOI, first time going under contract. So I thought it'd be great to bring Mike on and to, to just talk a little bit more about the experience and how we were able to wholesale it. So thanks yeah. for joining Mike.
1: Yeah. Thank you, man, for having me. This is awesome. We're out here in beautiful Sarasota. worked out. We're at a real estate event. got an awesome view in the back. So I love this. Yeah. So could you just start with telling us a little bit about yourself, how you got into real estate? Yeah, sure. So I started, gosh, I bought my first house at 19 years old, just by waiting tables. This was back in 2012. I bought a foreclosure. I think I got it for $67,000. I got an FHA loan, highly recommend if you're gonna buy a house since your first house. I only had to put 3.5% down. I'll never forget this, I had like $14,000 saved up. I wrote a check for $7,500, like the most money I've ever seen in my whole entire life, and I'm writing that check. Because again, as a waiter, you're used to getting like a hundred bucks a night and then you just put that in a savings account. So I bought that house as a foreclosure. It was a three bed, two bath house. And this is before I listened to podcasts. I knew what house hacking was. But what I did is rent out the other two bedrooms to people who waited tables with me. My mortgage at that time was only $600 a month. And I rented out each bedroom for $300 a month. So at 19 years old, I moved out from home. I only was responsible for a third of utilities and they paid my mortgage for me. And I went to community college and I waited tables. And that's kind of how it started. I fixed up the bathroom, the kitchen. And then in 2015, I sold that house for $147,000. That's awesome. So at 21, I believe it was 21, 22, I had like a $60,000 check in my hand. I was like, oh my gosh. And moved back home with mom and dad. Uh, Within 30 days, I actually bought another house for $50,000 and started fixing and flipping houses from there. That's awesome, man, $60,000. That was my starting salary as an engineer
0: for an entire year, Yeah, right? It's so interesting because very different paths, right? I went engineering school, get good grades, get a job, do the whole corporate thing, right? That was my path. And then as you know, we switched directions actually recently, like six months ago became a full-time investor because of the deal that we did yep. last year. So maybe it'd be good to get into that. So I found that self-storage facility off-market going direct to the seller, put my first offer in. And I remember seeing a post that Mike had made. I thought it was a wholesale, but maybe it was a double close. You can tell the story about it, but I remember seeing because you shared this win. And I was like, wow, he made, again, six figures on a deal how can I do that? And I was like, I got to reach out to Mike. Maybe that's something that I will do in the future. I don't know, but I want to make sure that that's an option for me in this self storage deal. My goal is to buy and hold, but I want a backup plan. I want mm-hmm. another exit strategy. And so that's why I reached out to you. Yep. I think
1: while I was driving back from a training. Yeah. Group. I remember that phone call. So I have bought fix and flipped. Now I'm 30, since I was 21, 80 homes. It really started in 2017. We got a great team in place. We flip in Michigan. I live in South Carolina now. So the past like eight months, I buy fixing and flipping houses without seeing them. Fixing flipping houses is great. It's a great, active, high-paying job. It allowed me to quit my job and just do full-time real estate. I always say, you always have a money problem. When you don't have money, you have a money problem. And then when you do have money, you make a lot of money, then you have a new money problem, mm-hmm. and that's called taxes. It's crazy, I was writing checks to Uncle Sam more than I was paying myself. And I was like, this is not right. You know, I'm paying a bunch of property taxes and sales taxes at Home Depot, Mm -hmm. all these taxes. I need a way to help offset these taxes. And that's how we got into multifamily. So using my skills from buying, fixing, flip houses, I transferred that to multifamily self-storage. And the deal that Brandon was talking about was a self-storage facility we were buying in Michigan. I think it was 196 units for $850,000. So a great price. The issue is 60% of the units were occupied and 60% of those were actually paying. So it's really like 30% Mm -hmm. were occupied and paying. And it was a small town of two or 3,000 people and there's 200 units. And in a small town, everyone has, you know, a lot of land. And I'm like, gosh, they could just throw their stuff out in the backyard, put a blue tarp over it, and not have to worry about paying me $40, $60 a month. I knew it was a great deal. It could be a great deal. If you get it up to 90% occupancy, it'd be an amazing deal. But I just wasn't comfortable taking on that risk after looking at the market. So I was like, you know what? Instead of just walking away from this deal, I've never even heard of anyone wholesaling commercial at this time. But I was like, I've wholesaled some houses in the single family space where I'll wholesale two, three, or four to friends that's like, hey, it's not gonna work as a flip, but might be good rental because mm-hmm. it's in a good area. But the margins for a flip isn't there. So I'm like, hey, let me try wholesale on this thing. I end up lining up a buyer, long story short, we bought it for eight hundred and fifty thousand in the morning and sold it at two PM for a million fifty thousand. It's incredible. So it's two hundred thousand dollars spread after closing costs hundred and eighty thousand dollars on one deal. That's yeah. amazing. You know, and that's something that I have Wanted to learn more is I come across
0: a lot of deals in these rural areas, 2,000, 3,000 people. And I know that there are people that are successful there, but you know, we're always looking at market characteristics, population growth, median household income. And there's a lot of things that we've learned in the multifamily space and it translates over into the self storage space. To make sure that you are going to be successful long term. And even if people start to move away or any of that, that you still have enough of a tenant base there to support the rents that you are trying to achieve that you've underwritten. Because if you can't hit those numbers, then all of a sudden your returns are going to be lower. And if you had investors, now all of a sudden they're not going to be so happy with you, right? Yeah. So it's something that I want to learn more of, but it's great to realize that. You could have just killed the deal. You could have said, you know what? I'm starting to do my due diligence. I've seen that the the economic occupancy is really low. The population is low. Maybe the reason why the economic occupancy is so low is because there's actually not enough people here on demand to support it. That was the issue. But then
1: I think you ended up finding someone
0: very experienced in the area, right?
1: Yeah. So my partners wanted to kill the deal. Like, all right, let's just kill it. I'm like, well, you know, we still have a due diligence period. Give me two weeks. Let me see if I can find a buyer. So I looked and I found a buyer who owned four other self-storage facilities in a two-hour radius of that property. And he was used to buying these rural properties and had a bank that was comfortable because mm-hmm. he did all four loans with that bank. And they were just like, no joke, had the banker drive by the property. He showed him the property and walked the property. I mean, this like really small town stuff. Yeah. Like Chase Bank, they're not going to just, the commercial lender's not going to go walk the property with you. And they looked at it and they're like, yep, we're confident we can turn this around. The guy had a lot of experience in that area and is willing to take on that risk. That's awesome. And then another thing that we talk about too is, and you mentioned this with the banking
0: relationship, but the investor does their own underwriting and Mm -hmm. feels confident in the deal, confident enough to bring it to a lender, but then the lender is going to do their own underwriting independent. So they're going to see what your assumptions are, but then they're going to say, okay, that's nice. What would I assume? And so now the investor and the lender are both in agreement that they think this is a good deal. And so then they move forward. So it's not like you were passing this off to someone because it wasn't a good deal. If you truly thought it wasn't a good deal, you would have passed, but you said, you know what? My underwriting tells me that this is a really good deal. It's just not in the market that I'm really looking for. Right. And that's kind of similar as to what ended up happening in, the deal that we worked on together. So I guess transitioning into that, some specs on that was it was $775,000 purchase price. It was an old building. It was a couple hundred years old. It was a mill building. It used to be a cotton mill and it was converted in the 80s or 90s to self-storage. And this was my first major deal, right? So maybe someone with some more experience in real estate might have said, that's going to be a lot more CapEx than you're assuming. You know, the roof is a slate roof. It's 200 years yeah, old. Yeah, there's
1: three different roofs on one building. So there's a slate roof, which is the most expensive. And then there's a flat roof. And then there's a shingle roof, and I think all three were leaking. It was a huge renovation project because the old building is also like on a flood zone with this river in the back. All single pane windows. It's a big building. If you're going to convert to heat, you'd have to replace all the single pane windows. I mean, this is going to be a multiple like three, four hundred thousand dollar renovation budget, right? If you wanted to do it right and do it nice without the right. elevator, right? So There's a lot of value add opportunity. The entire
0: third floor was not being rented out at all. It was entirely open space, so you could. Put storage units on the third floor, but then you needed a way to get to the third floor because people aren't just going to carry their stuff up three flights of stairs. My business plan was going to be like a light value add, where it was we're going to raise rents, increase occupancy through better marketing with a better website, and so we weren't going to even capture the full value that I'll was even there the upstairs. Yeah, right, because of how much money it was going to cost. Like we already knew that the rubber roofs were going to cost about thirty-five thousand dollars. I was told and I thought that maybe we could repair the slate roof, but as I learned more and this was a great learning experience, I pushed to have a roofer come and to get an estimate and they really didn't want to do that because they were like, well, do you own the building yet? And I was like, I don't own the building. I was yeah. just being They honest. didn't want to waste their time. They didn't want to waste yeah. their time. And I was like, you know, I'm under contract. I'm going to close on this deal. Yeah. And so he came by and, you know, talking with a number of investors, our experience, they said, you know what? You really don't want to plan to repair slate because yeah. as you walk on it, you're going to break. And so you're going to be chasing leaks forever. And you don't want to have water getting into someone's unit and it gets mold and mildew and ruins their stuff. And you get a bad reputation. It's just a bad situation. Yeah. Right. So as I started digging into my due diligence and learning that there was actually going to be a lot more CapEx, it was a very construction heavy project. And also recognizing that although I had partnered with my coach and had experience on the team, I was the one doing the majority of the yeah. work. And so I started to feel it was a little bit too risky of a project with the amount of construction that I needed to do for a relatively new investor. Mm-hmm. And that just ties back into, it was maybe six months prior to that, you had posted about the double close. Yeah. And of course, I saw the $185,000 of profit. And I was like, oh my God, I don't even make that in a year as an engineer. And this <laughs> guy's did this in a day. And that's what stood out to me. And that was a great lesson was Mike shared his wins. And then I saw that and then I had that in the back of my mind. So then when I had a deal six months later, it's like, I don't think I'm going to wholesale this. Turns out we did. Yeah. I don't think I am, but I want to know if there's a way that I can have that as an option. And so that's when I reached out to you and you said, it's very simple. You just really need an assignment clause. Yeah. Of course, I was working with an attorney and I made sure that my attorney had that language in there correctly, but it was as simple as like one to two sentences. That's all it was. Yeah. And it gave us the option to yeah. do that. So then- we met in probably it was actually about a year ago at this point. Yeah, it was April. I, yeah, I yeah. made the offer in March, oh. and then we went under contract in April. So it was probably about a year ago. Mm-hmm. Made sure that was in the contract, and then we didn't talk again for about three months because I had full intentions of buying and holding. And then I learned in my due diligence, ah, this is actually going to cost you to have to raise more money, more risk. There might be more reward for this, but you're still relatively new. You don't want to take on something too much. So yeah. then I started thinking, maybe this is a better. Opportunity for someone with experience in construction, yeah. someone who's maybe got a deeper pockets, yeah. who has that construction background, who's managed a construction heavy project, maybe this would be a better deal for them where we would wholesale it to them. And so that's when I reached out to you again and said, I think that this makes sense actually as a wholesale play. Yeah. And so that's what we ended up doing. And I figured out how to come up with that evaluation from a wholesale perspective yep what assignment fee was reasonable, but we also want to make sure we left enough meat on the bone or returns for the investor because if they're not going to get good returns, then they're not going to be interested in the deal. So we ended up deciding that it was just at a million dollars. We thought that the new investor could come in and still get a great equity multiple on the money that they're bringing in. And so that's when you came in and really- took over the marketing. And so if you could share a little bit about what that was like, because that was completely out of my element.
1: Yeah. So, you know, looking at this deal, having construction background, looking at with Brandon, I was like, this is not for a new investor. This is for a very experienced investor who's maybe going through a 1031 exchange. They have a lot of capital that they need to deploy. And they're very experienced in the industry as well. Turns out we found someone who owns many other self-storage facilities around the country. And one of his partners bought an apartment building inside of that same city as Mm -hmm. well. So those two work really well together because in an apartment building, you don't have a lot of space. You don't have a basement. You don't have a garage typically where you can store your stuff. So to own the apartment building and to own the self-storage facility and marriage those two together and say, hey, get a discount, use your stuff here, getting paid twice by the same tenant, Mm -hmm. which is great. Now he knows the market, right? So he's already analyzed the market for multifamily and decided that- the
0: incomes here, the population growth this year, the characteristics of the market are good enough to support me buying a large apartment building, Yeah, right? So he's already familiar with it. So it was perfect for that investor, which is another thing too, is every investor is looking for different things. They want certain market characteristics in a certain part of the country. You never know what somebody actually is looking for. Like we do value add investing, but there are investors who will just buy class A because they don't want to deal with a value add, even yeah. though you can drive more equity into the property through raising rents and occupancy and all that. They want more of a stabilized asset. So it just depends on what that investor is looking and for. And
1: sometimes they have a huge 1031. They need to get rid of that money within a certain time frame, And they're even willing to take a less of a return or whatever. I mean, someone approached us this weekend and he's like, I got like 300 grand I need to deploy in two weeks wow. from, from a 1031. Do you have a deal? Right? I'm like, I wish I did. Oh, I talked to him. Yeah. I so it's that, like, yeah. yeah. So it's kind of funny. It's like, like you I know, gotta go find a deal. And he's like, it doesn't even need to be a great deal. It just needs to be a decent deal. So I don't have to pay, you know, $150,000 in taxes. Right. So he's like, even if it's not like a home run, I'm okay with it. So people buy for different reasons. Mm-hmm. And that's something to always keep in mind. Right. Yeah. So could you share just a little bit
0: about what you did to find potential investors?
1: Yeah. So to find potential investors or like the end buyer, it's just like, marketing for the right seller, right? So I'm marketing for the right buyer. Like I said, this is not for newbies. Mm -hmm. So I was reaching out to people who own self-storage in the area, people who are in investor groups. And through my CRM, going to events like this and building a CRM list, finding people who are interested in and have a lot of experience in self-storage investing and who can take on this risk. I probably fielded it. I'm no joke for like a week, like 75 to 100 calls And then from there, I narrowed it down to six to eight people to go look at the property. And then probably three to four groups of people looked at the property Mm -hmm. and we found our buyer. Right. But casting a wide net and then narrowing it down very quickly to make sure that we're not wasting our time with them. And then also to protect the buyer that they're not going to buy something that they can't handle. If this is their first project, I do not recommend this project for you. I was very transparent with that. I'm Mm -hmm. like, you need to have experience. You need to have systems in place. You have to understand how much capital this takes because I don't want you to buy a deal that you can't get out of or it might be too much for you.
0: I think that's really important because you do hear stories of people who will just offload deals so they can make a buck and then they're not worried about the other side and maybe they were handed something that they didn't even know wasn't yeah. good for them, right? Yeah. So I think it's very important to have that integrity and to make sure that you're confident in the person's ability. Yeah. So what I wanted to talk about is how important it is, one, for me to partner with you, one, with the experience, but mm-hmm. two, you know, I struggle with analysis paralysis. Yeah. We learned this a lot. Like we even talked about it this weekend in Sarasota is just the importance of, you Partnering someone who's got different skill sets than you. So you're not just like the two same personalities, but being out there, social networking, that's something that I really like, I'm working on. But with your experience, you were able to say, This is not something we have to worry about. Don't worry about that. They're not even thinking about this. This person just wants to sell this and move on. It really helped me to have you as a partner because you got me out of my own way, right? Like, if I couldn't vent those things to you or whatever. And then here you're like, don't even worry about this. Oh my God, you must think I'm crazy. But it was great to have you to be able to one, bounce the ideas off of, and then two, you gave me that like gut check of like, no, this is something we stick on. And then this is not an issue. Yeah.
1: It's very similar. When I first started buying and flipping houses or wholesaling houses too, I was worried like, all right, maybe if the seller finds out, they might freak out or the buyer might freak out about how much I'm gonna make or what the buyer falls through. And then after a while, just remember, like, listen, sellers want or need to sell and buyers want or need to buy. Mm -hmm. And that's why when I was vetting for a buyer, I wasn't looking for a buyer who was semi like, oh, I kind of like it. It might not be too much. We found someone who's extremely confident in the project. And he's like, cool, this is exactly what I need. You know, we have a lot of capital we needed to deploy. And they're very easy to work. We had, gosh, three attorneys looking at all these documents and got everyone all in line with each other. And it worked out. It did. And it's kind of bringing this
0: on. It's like the perfect timing, too, for me, because we ended up closing on this. And six weeks later, I ended up leaving my job to be able to go full time in real estate. And it turned into a, a win for everyone. Yeah. I ended up, I think, actually in a better situation than if I would have bought and helped because it would have taken 12 months to get the renovations and the rents up and the occupancy now for my projections it would have made a lot of money in the long run and i would have had to be a lot more patient to get that but in the short term i really actually needed
1: you might have had to go back to work
0: right i might still be working a full-time job i probably wouldn't oh this is a sunday but i would have had to get permission to come here right it's amazing how that all
1: worked out it worked out like the win-win like the seller was so excited to sell uh, the buyer was very excited to buy, and we were very excited because we were able to make the deal together and get this done. So it's like a win-win-win situation. Those are the deals I love. Everyone wins. Yeah, it was awesome. I want to thank you for coming on, and
0: how could everyone reach out to you?
1: Do you mind if I give something away to your audience, like Absolutely. a free gift? Okay. So if you are interested in buying, fixing, flipping houses, it's a great way to make active, quick cash, but like the multifamily and the self-storage is great for like long-term wealth and getting paid but without having to work, which I love. But you can text the word house, H-O-U-S-E, to 248-870-2971. That's 248-870-2971. It's a free video, how to buy, fix, and flip a house, We'll walk you through the whole entire process for free, and how we make $55,000 on a house, that we sold for $220,000. So that's a free gift there. And you can also follow me on social media. My name is Mike Menino, M-I-K-E-N-A-N-N-I-N-O with two capital I's at the end. It's probably a black and white photo on Facebook or follow me on Instagram, the Mike Menino. And yeah, get in touch with me. You can DM me, message me if you have a deal. If you have questions, how we did it, I'm happy to answer any questions. Awesome. All right, thanks, Mike. Cool, thanks, buddy. Hey,
0: I appreciate you listening to another episode of School of Success. I'm committed to helping others reach their full potential. So if you found value, please leave a five-star rating and review. With that, we can reach more people and help make their dreams come true.